Today is the last Sunday in our Servant Hearts series. We're going to continue today to explore what the Bible says, as we have all month, explore what the Bible says about Jesus' invitation to serve others, to serve others as, as Jesus showed and modeled for us. Now, I, I need to offer just a quick note before we dive in today. Are there any uh, Star Trek fans in the room? Any, any Star Trek? Okay, I see a few hands. You may have already looked at your life guide today and seen that the title for today's message is The Next Generation and thought, oh boy. Um, I'm just going to apologize up front. There's no Star Wars reference in the message today. Uh, in penance, I will work on an Admiral Picard reference for a later sermon, but uh, sorry. Actually, the, the image we're going to play with today, the, the example we're going to use is cookies and Kool-Aid. You may wonder, what do cookies and Kool-Aid have to do with servant hearts? Or maybe your mind's already going to cookies and Kool-Aid. That is where we are headed today. Let's pray, and then we'll dive in. Holy God, speak to us this day through these words, through your word in Scripture. Open our minds to, to better understand. Open our hearts to your love and your way. Remind us of your love for each one of us. Help us not just to talk about it today, but to feel it to sense we're a part of the story of your love and inspire us to share that story with everyone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Many of you likely know the Shema, and even if you don't know that fancy word for it, you, you probably know these words from the Bible if you've been around the church at all in your life. The Shema is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your hearts and all your soul and all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Right? Jesus shared these words. Lots of us know this call to love God with our whole being. But I think sometimes some of us who've been around the church a while, we know these words so well. Does anybody know what comes next? We know these words so well, we don't actually know what comes after. And we don't necessarily pay attention to what comes after and what it might tell us about what the heart of a servant of Jesus looks like. So let's keep reading today. Deuteronomy 6, we're going to pick up the story in verse 7. It says this, impress them, meaning these commandments, these words of God, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Do you ever think about your legacy? I know sometimes for me, after I had children, I, I thought about, like, what, what legacy am I leaving through my kids? But I know, also know I've been in conversations with others who are aging at the pace I am. I guess we all age at the same, anyway. And, uh, and just had this, like, what, what legacy do we want to leave in the world around us? 
What impact do we want to have on the world in this time that God has gifted us? These verses, I think, in Deuteronomy today, they, they invite God's people to ask a, a related question. What kind of faith legacy do you want to have? What legacy of faith do you want to leave? In the books of Deuteronomy and Exodus, this question, it becomes, I think, really important because the people are in the wilderness. And as they are trying to navigate this wilderness, they, they find it difficult. It was easier before, some of them are saying. Can't we just go back to the way it was before? Some of them are worried about having enough. Are we going to have enough food? Are we going to have enough to drink? What, what, how do we even make it in the midst of this wilderness? They do what we often do when we find ourselves in these wilderness difficult times in life when we can't necessarily see the future clearly. They begin to, they begin to grumble and complain they begin to say, well, it was just better before. It's, it's so much worse now. And one of the gifts in, I think, Deuteronomy and Exodus is God gives this way for God's people to live in the wilderness and into the promised land. It's almost as though God recognizes that God's people in times of transition, times of change in their lives, God recognizes, yeah, you all struggle in those times. God recognized that it would be really easy for God's people to just turn back, turn away from the future that God has promised. It would be really easy for them to give up. It's like God recognizes, and in fact, when we read the books of Exodus and, and Deuteronomy, we see this. They do seem to give up on God's provision and just turn inward and face their own daily needs and what they need to, to fill those. They turn in on themselves, and then eventually they even turn to other idols because they, they just can't trust God. At the heart of it all, this people in the midst of the wilderness, they begin to, they begin to struggle with their individual needs in the moment being more important than the future that God has promised. So in God's word, in the teaching, the Torah, in the, in the law, in the commands, in each delivery of these guidelines, in each invitation to trust and love God with your whole being, they always add this other piece. Teach your children about God. Share the stories about what God has done in your lives with your children so that they will know those stories. When should you share? All the time. At meals, before bed, when you get up in the morning, wherever you are, whenever, you should share at all times this story of what God has done. Wherever you are, you should share the story of what God is doing. And why? Should you keep sharing these stories of what God's doing? Well, Deuteronomy goes on and gives us an answer to that question next. This is Deuteronomy 6, 10 to 12. When the Lord your God brings you into the land he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you 
a land with large flourishing cities that you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant, that when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Why tell the children? Why repeat these stories of what God has done? To make sure that we don't forget that we can trust God. So that our, our lives in everything that we do might reflect a God who is with us. So that we never forget that all that we have and all that we are, it all, it all comes from God. And ultimately, so that future generations can trust in these promises we know of God's deliverance and God's future and ultimately in Jesus' salvation. In a sense, at the heart of this teaching in the Torah and Exodus and Numbers and, and Deuteronomy and Leviticus, right, it's this struggle in the wilderness between turning in on my own needs and thinking that I've got to meet those needs myself and trusting God. It's the struggle between going back to the old way of life and trusting that God has something new that lies ahead. I think the reality is we, even today, can recognize the struggles in the, in the time of change and upheaval in our lives, right? It'd be easy to say, well, you've probably heard people say, if we just went back to the good old days. Anybody ever said that? The good old days were so much better. Like, but, the, but the good old days aren't there, and do we trust in God's provision and, and God's future for us? And really the question is, will, will our legacy be about us, our comfort, our needs for the good old days, or, or will our legacy be about us preparing future generations to know and trust God's desire, the way of Jesus for the future? Bishop Mike Coiner, who I was blessed to serve with before I came here to serve in ministry at Clay Church, had this great story from his early years of, of ministry. He was called up by uh, an, an older gentleman who he had known from his first appointment in ministry. And this older gentleman had kept in touch over time, and he, he called Bishop Mike and he said, I just, I just need to share with you and, and get some advice. My church is going through this really really tough time. We're having these conversations around our worship style, and we've had this leadership team that has met and, and has said we need to change our worship style to, to a band from, from choir and, and traditional, and they've been meeting and, and talking about that and, and thinking about that, and the church is just really torn about this. People are really upset. They really want to go back to the way it was with a, with a big choir and, and traditional hymns. He said, that's really kind of what I want too. But then he said to Bishop Mike, he said, but like, I recognize that for my kids and my grandkids, I, 
need to get comfortable with another way to worship that speaks God's love into their lives, into their hearts. I need to know another way so that they are engaged in worship. Bishop Mike says a, a couple years, and I don't remember this exactly, it may have been several years later, he had an opportunity to worship at that church. And he worshiped with them. They had indeed moved to a more contemporary band-led worship style. And he saw this old friend and, and saw him worshiping with enthusiasm and standing and singing the songs. And so he went up to him afterward and he said, see, you've come to like their music, haven't you? And he said, oh, no, no, I don't like the music, but I love I love that my kids and my grandkids are here every Sunday and they are singing and they are touched by God's love. And that's what matters. A servant heart is always open to the needs of others. Including, in this case, right, the needs of the next generation. I'm going to ask the question in a few minutes. Like, what, what does it look like today to, to carry God's word to the next generation? What does it look like to have it on the gates and the, and the doorposts? What does it look like to, to tie it to us? And the question becomes, what does that look like so that we can communicate with the next generation for future generations? Now, this doesn't mean that every church has to have a band and, and, a, and a worship style that looks the same. I was really careful to make sure the choir knew that last service, right? But it does mean, it does mean that we are all invited to ask this question, right? All of us who desire God's church to grow, all of us who desire for another generation to know the love of God that, that we know, that want to reach more people, it invites us to ask the question, how are we each of us individually sharing God's story with future generations. How am I part of sharing God's story with future generations? And maybe even the tougher question, what am I willing to sacrifice to make sure, even if it is less comfortable for me, what am I, what am I willing to sacrifice to make sure that future generations know the love of God that I know. You might have noticed something in Deuteronomy. God's word doesn't tell parents to teach their children. Now, in other places in the Bible, it does. It, it talks about parents instructing their children in the way. But in this chapter, it first talks about loving the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. It says that to everyone, and then it doesn't shift to parents. So if this message is for everyone, the next thing for everyone to hear is teach your children, meaning all of God's children are the responsibility of all of us. We said as much today when we said these words a moment ago and welcomed Emerson as part of our family. Emerson's not even here with us, but we recognize that Emerson is a part of, of God's children, a part of God's family, and we all committed today to help share the story of God's love with Emerson and the McRae Wagoner family. Bishop Frank Beard currently serves as a bishop in Illinois, but he's from Indiana originally. He is this huge-hearted, incredible leader, deep, abiding faith. If you've been around Bishop Beard long enough, you've 
you probably heard him tell the story about how he came to be part of the church, how he, he came to be saved by Jesus. He loves to tell this story. He says when he was a, a kid in Elkhart, and, and these are his words, he was creating havoc. And he says that uh, some elders from Grace United Methodist Church invited he and his brother to the church hall for cookies and Kool-Aid. He said they weren't going to turn that down, and so they went in for cookies and Kool-Aid. And then the, these elders in the church, they asked him if he wanted to come back tomorrow. He said, will there be cookies and Kool-Aid? And they said yes. And so he came back the next day for more cookies and Kool-Aid. He came back the day after that. It was vacation Bible school. And then they invited him to go to church camp where he says he experienced some more great meals. And then he says, they trusted me with fire. He meant an acolyte, like to light the candles in the church. He said, and I never left. He goes on to say, in 1968, it wasn't typical for white people to invite black kids to be part of their community. But these church people, Bishop Frank says, invited me and my brother in, served us food, made us feel loved, and nurtured me in the love of Jesus. They told him the story of God's love. Right? He says, this group of, of people, and I, he says elders when he tells the story, and I, he doesn't, I don't think he means parents. I think he means older people in the church. He says, this group of elders, they wrapped God's love around me. Wrapped God's love around one, one kid from the community. Told him the story of God's faithfulness and God's love. And in Bishop Frank's preaching and service, right, that investment, that telling of the story has reached thousands more people. What will be your faith legacy? What will our faith legacy be? And the question is really this, how will we impress God's teaching how will we share God's teaching? What, is it, what does it look like today to, to share God's word everywhere? What does it look like to, to tie them as, as symbols on us? We had a conversation earlier this week about, some of you may remember the What Would Jesus Do movement, and everybody had like the What Would Jesus Do necklaces and, and wristbands, and it, it became kind of cliche, and, uh, and not everybody was putting the words on and living it, but but the question is, what, what does replace it today? What does it look like to live out loud as faithful followers of Jesus so that everyone, and particularly the next generation, know this God of abundant and radical love? How are we teaching kids about faith? You'll notice in Deuteronomy, right, it isn't just about teaching kids at the temple. It's about teaching kids at home. For those of us at parents, what does it look like not just to rely on a Sunday school teacher once or twice or even four times a, a month, but what does it look like for us to invest in our kids or, or for those of grandparents as, as grandparents? What might it look like to, to tie the words 
to our hands and write them on the door frames of our home? What are the practical ways we do that today? I don't know what all those ways are. I think, I think we need to invite the Holy Spirit and, and dream about those ways together. But, but I do know this. We have lots of reasons why we're not engaged in sharing with the next generation. We're too old. We don't know the Bible well enough. Sunday morning, our time is to get filled up, so we can't really spend it with youth and, and children to, to teach or be involved there. Nobody has asked us, so we, so we haven't put ourselves out there. Our kids don't want to hear it from us anymore, so we don't keep telling them the, the story. I think all these excuses just show that the wilderness of our lives, it's challenging. We feel busy and we can feel overloaded. And in the midst of any time of change in our lives, it's, it's easy to grumble or, or complain or, or want things to make us comfortable. But in the midst of this temptation to put our needs first, I think God's word, Jesus, invites us to think about something else. What does it look like to put the needs of others first? As we think about these words today, what does it look like to put the needs of the next generation first? Because God's word invites us to have servant hearts and to inspire, to inspire a next generation to know the love that we know. It just... It raises these what-if questions that I want to share today. Like, what if, what if we truly believe that raising another generation to know God's story and the, and the love of God was the most important thing we could do? What would it look like in our lives and in our church if we, if we believed that and lived by that belief? What if, what if those of us who are parents and, and grandparents took these words to heart about teaching the faith, not just as a Sunday morning thing, but as, as just part of our, our daily lives with our, our children and, and our grandchildren? What if we thought about how God's word was permeating all we do and, and we just kept telling our kids the stories of why faith is important, of what God and the church have meant to us, and not worry about whether they're converted or, or hear it in the moment, but just keep planting those seeds. What if every one of us committed to put aside our personal preferences so that more young people felt radically loved by Jesus? What if... Our children's and youth ministries didn't have to come to us to chase volunteers, but so many of us knew that nothing was more important than our kids. So many of us were reminded of our vow to raise these kids in faith that we, we went to them and said, hey, how can I help on a Sunday morning once a month or, or once a week? What if God is calling each of us in our own way right now to invest in sharing the story of God's love with a future generation. Can't answer what that looks like for each one of us, but maybe, maybe the, the Holy Spirit today is saying, 
you know what, now's the time to, to serve weekly or monthly with children and youth on a Sunday morning and, and love them. You don't have to have any Bible knowledge to do that. And if, if you feel just even a, the slightest nudge of the Holy Spirit today, let me invite you to follow it. I don't know about you, but when the Holy Spirit nudges me, I'm often like, yeah, I'll get to that next week. And then next week comes, and God has to, like, use a bat. Right? If that spirit is nudging you today to say, you know what? I could, once a week, I, I just hear this, this call of God to invest in our kids. I'm ready. You can worship one service and, and serve in the other. Serve in both services once a month and plant seeds for God's kingdom. What if your investment in children's or youth ministry, your sharing of God's love, what if, what if your presence once a month on Sunday morning or every week on a Sunday morning, what if it was that one person in a child's life that led them to know Jesus? What if your sharing of God's love over a year or two impacted a life for eternity or saved a life? What if your investment inspired a child to serve in a way that impacted tens or hundreds or even thousands more? Wouldn't you hope you'd say yes to God in that? What do you want your faith legacy to be? I want to invite us to stand. I want us to close with this prayer. And maybe for you, the next step is going to be to pray. Maybe it's going to, going to say how, to think about how faith is a part of your, your life at home. Maybe for you, it's going to be following the Spirit to, to say yes today to, to serving through the ministries of Clay Church. But I just want to invite all of us just to say yes to God today. Would you join me in this prayer on the screen? Let's say these words together. Lord Jesus, I want to live a life and leave a legacy with more people knowing your love and your way. Please guide me and help me take a first step. Amen. Amen.